he charged me with resisting arrest. Get that confidence in jail. I object. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Allegedly Bravo. I'm Cash. And I'm Lauren. Hello. Hello. I feel like, I know we always say this, but I feel like it's been so long. It's literally been, it's been so long. Well, we've had, again, some hiccups. Lauren <sighs> Lauren caught the vid. She is currently COVID positive as we speak. And it's like never fucking ending. Like, I was so sick, and then I started to feel better, and I went I went to work because I didn't, I had two negative tests. Yeah. Yeah. I had two negative tests. So I was like, I, I have to go to work. Like I got to work. And then I come home and I'm like, still not feeling good. And George glass is like, can you pick up COVID tests? And I'm like, okay, whoopsies. We're both positive still. So whoops, I'm part of the problem. (laughs) this COVID strand is just so unique because it's very flu-like and the symptoms are ever-changing it's like you have flu and then it's kind of respiratory cough and then it turns Mm -hmm. into an ear infection it's so weird then you shart it's just like nobody (laughs) knows what's gonna come next (laughs) but how are you feeling right now is the most Um, important you know I I feel okay, but I do still have a cough and congestion. Uh, yeah. And that will probably be there for five more years. Yeah. You know, but remember the first time I had COVID, I had that issue where I couldn't swallow. Like and then my, we, and yes. then I experienced it on this podcast on as we were pod- podcasting. Yes. And then, um, this round of COVID though, uh, cured me. I can swallow again. So congratulations to me. Whew. I mean, congratulations. Congratulations to me. So I'm recording from bed. If you can hear my air conditioner, tough titty. It's 91 degrees. Well, and the worst part is the humidity. Yeah, the humidity is like 68. So it's wild. Well, do you want to tell everyone why we're here? What we're going to talk about? You guys, uh, we're here. We are going to fucking talk about. Randall fucking Emmett and his money by Monday. He is a liar, a thief, and an alcoholic. Well, let's. So I, I don't know how many of you guys are aware, but LA Times dropped this bombshell article about Randall Emmett. Mm-hmm. And it goes into so much detail, really, about the history of his, of these financial, alleged financial schemes. Yeah the allegations of sexual misconduct, allegations of drug abuse. So we are going to go through and kind of pick apart the LA Times article for those of you that don't have time to read it or didn't get around to reading it. Or don't have a fucking dollar to give to the news. And it is very long. It took me, I want to say almost 45 minutes to an hour to read it. it. Yeah. I mean, it's earmarked for 56 to 71 minute read. Yes. Yeah. So it, it, it is very, very long. And I really, I thought, okay, I'm going to read this and it's yeah. going to be what we already know. Right. But there, mm-hmm. I, I felt like there were a couple moments where my jaw dropped. Mm-hmm. So I do too. Let's get into it. Really the article I found this. Okay. I found this to be very interesting. They start off the article about Bruce Willis. And did you get my voice memo? I sent you a couple days ago. No. 
I sent you a voice memo about Bruce Willis and Randall Emmett because I was you did. Yes, I was sitting on my couch and on Hulu, one of a Bruce Willis, Randall Emmett production popped up as like a Hulu pick or, you know, like recommended thriller. Uh And I thought to myself, how is it that Randall Emmett had secured Bruce Willis to be in his productions, like Mm -hmm. all of his movies, like he really is the face of his movies. And I sent you a voicemail and said, do you think because of Bruce Willis's mental, um, his decline? I can't remember. I aphasia. I always, aphasia. I want to call it alopecia. It's yeah. His aphasia, which in, which affects his cognitive function and his ability to speak and use words. I was like, do you think that his mental health was declining? And 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 Randall Emmett saw that and kind of took advantage of it. Yes. I can't believe you didn't get that voice memo. And as I was reading this first paragraph into the, this introduction, into the story, they talk about the fact that, you know, Randall Emmett gets pissed off. They're filming. What movie was it? Um, God, one of 200. One of some Midnight in the Switchgrass. Yes. Midnight in the Switchgrass. They're filming it and they're wanting basically Bruce Willis to smash through this door and Bruce Willis physically cannot physically can't do it maybe is not understanding they don't really speculate it's just that he doesn't do it when randall emma wants to and randall emma gets all pissed off and then i'm assuming this is a quote this is a quote from lala kent that randall emma called her crying that bruce willis's you know cognitive decline was quite significant at that time during production oh my god i mean it's just like so it's just weird because a while ago, I, uh, George Glass was like, Hey, did you hear that? Like Bruce Willis is like, can't remember anything anymore. And he's like having trouble in his movies and like brought up Randall Emmett. And I was like, how do you know Lala Kent's man? You know, yeah. but, mm-hmm. um, so I remember hearing a little bit about this and being like, what is going on with Bruce Willis? Like, what is it? And, you know, like we found out in this thing, he has aphasia. Aphasia is a language disorder caused by damage in a specific area of the brain that controls language expression and comprehension. This is from hopkinsmedicine.org. Aphasia leaves a person unable to communicate effectively with others. Most people have it as a result of a stroke. So where like, my mind goes is if you have a disorder where you can't think or comprehend or express yourself, then how are you working? How, how is it allowed that someone is forcing you to work? So that's part of the story that I found to be very interesting because they said within 15 months after filming midnight in the switchgrass, Emmett made five more movies with Willis. And so if, if, if Randall was recognizing this cognitive decline, is there some type of elder abuse? abuse yes, no, this is abuse. Exploitation. I don't, and I'm, this I found to be so fascinating and I would love for more of the other producers, directors, EPs, whoever to come out and kind of give us more detail about, because we do later on in the article, get some information from the writers 
but I want to know more about this because in the article, they say that it was really an open secret that Bruce Willis's mental health was declining, Uh but I think that everyone was working with him and he wanted to work as best that he could or for as long as he could, but. Well, and like something that I found interesting was it says here, quote, um, a voice coming through the actor's earpiece, the actor meaning Bruce coached him through his lines. A stunt coordinator gently attempted to guide him yet take after take Willis did not seem to understand according to seven crew members who were present for the late night shoot. Emmett rose from behind the video monitor, mimed the actions, urging Willis to emulate him. And when the effort failed, the director left the set in frustration. So this is a man who literally is so not mentally present that someone's playing Simon says basically from the other side of the camera. And like, that's unconscionable. Where is Demi Moore? Where is rumor Willis? Yeah. So the reason why Bruce Willis, the reason why we're even talking about him, because really the story is about Randall Emmett. I think the reason why the author started with this is to gain an understanding of who is Randall Emmett. How did Randall Emmett come to be? And so Willis really, according to LA Times article, really propelled Randall Emmett's production company. It was mm-hmm. called Emmett Fl- Furla Oasis uh-huh. into success. And so it says that the 51-year-old producer used the Willis name and face to sell his films around the world. Since 2006, the actor had appeared in two dozen of fir- the, the firm's projects and the pace of the output heightened as Willis's health declined. For years, Emmett had flourished on the margins of Hollywood, producing films that have featured cameos from big name stars like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, and often went straight to DVD. But by 2019, he was flirting with Hollywood glory. He had produced a couple of genuine blockbusters and was in line to claim an Academy Award as one of the producers on Martin Scorsese's Oscar contender, The Irishman. Irishman, sorry. He had easy access to private jets, friendly contacts as gossip site at gossip sites TMZ and Los Angeles Police Department officer who described himself as Emmett's business and security manager. A year later, the walls were closing in. So, I mean, clearly, to me, it feels black and white obvious. And like, this is just from reading one article, you know, based on my one article of research, like this man used a disabled person to propel his career. You know what he gives me? I'm seeing similarities is the girl that the Ponzi scheme in New York. Oh my God. Um, Anna Delvey. Anna Anna Delvey. Delvey. Yeah. That is, that is what I'm getting here because he really, he networked, right? But he's all poor. Yeah. He networked. And he was able to invest. And at one point in the article, they talk about, like, you would kick, Randall Emma was the type of person, like, you kicked him out of the house, he'd come through through a window. You kicked him out through the window, he'd come through the chimney. Like, he was a rat, a rodent, an invasive invasive cancerous species Mm -hmm. who would just come back and he would get what he would want. Yeah. Like a little flea. Yeah. And so really the reason why LA Times is writing this article is because hundreds, there's a few, there are, I wouldn't say hundreds, there are multiple lawsuits against Mr. Emmett. Dozens. Dozens. Nearly. 
So according to LA Times, and let me just tell you that LA Times did their research with this project. They are citing source after source after source. Like they came with the receipts. They have court documents. They have court documents, confidential documents, former NDAs. They Mm -hmm. have witness interviews. They have receipts. They have hotel receipts. They've got text messages. Like everything has been so cross-referenced and confirmed that there's no way. There's been text message from actual Randall Emmett. You know, that confirm allegations of verbal abuse. Yeah. Or confirmation that he was in in unfaithful. Like it is so I thought this article was so well done. So well, I agree. And I feel like if Emmett, if Randall has anything to say about anything being untrue, I welcome him to sit down with these two women from the LA Times. Like, because honestly, like I don't know what you could try to throw at the wall to make any of this seem better because at Mm -hmm. this point it seems like you're yeah an offensive person so to kick things off so he is facing allegations or sorry lawsuits relating for mounting debt as well Mm -hmm. as allegations of abuse against women assistants and business partners so he's accused of inappropriate behavior with women including offering acts acting work in exchange for sexual favors and of forcing assistance to conduct dangerous and illegal activity on his behalf. I will tell you that was one of the most, that was the darkest takeaway for me was the things that he made his assistants do. Mm-hmm. I agree. And of course, I think it's maybe the reason why I find it so dark is like, we were aware of the sexual misconduct. And I guess I'm not surprised in reading the article about this very Harvey Weinstein-esque behavior. Right. I mean, I think we all kind of assume now that that's exactly what's going on behind every white man in Hollywood. Um, I wouldn't go is that a far, le- but... Is a leather couch. Yeah. But you know what I mean. I mean, come on. Yeah. So he's facing really... The, we'll get to it later in the article with like the details of it, but really $30 million in outstanding debt that he owes people from... Imp- investors yeah. and he also has like multiple multiple um settlements for sexual misconduct mm-hmm. that he has paid off there was a judgment that was against him from the writer guild of america for the fact that he i think he forgot to pay or didn't pay some of his yeah, writers for one of the movies <laughs> yeah. but it's over half a million dollars it's it's 541,000 yeah. fucking dollars yeah. So of unpaid writers. Yeah. So I want to start just from the beginning of who is Mr. Randall Emmett? Where yeah. the fuck did he come from? Where did he, where did you come from? Where did you go? So grew up in Miami, which I thought was interesting. Interesting and tracks. He is so <laughs> Miami. <laughs> That is hilarious. So he, did you know he was a distant cousin? I know. Birkenheimer or whoever. Gary Bruckheimer. Bruckheimer. I always mess up that name. Bruckheimer. Bruckheimer and Oppenheimer. I'm like, are you guys the same? The same. They have to be related. The Heimers, the Heimer group. So he got into acting at a very young age, went on to go to a really prestigious, I guess, school in Florida. Mm -hmm. And then he went to New York to become acting or went to an acting school where he became a producer. And he alleges that everyone was becoming directors, actors at the time. And he was really 
the only one that chose the producing route. Oh, um, <laughs> so special. <laughs> so then he, he moves to LA mm-hmm. where he gets the coveted internship with his distant cousin, Brockheimer. Mm-hmm. And a baby. Yes. And that's why I was like, this makes sense. Yeah, I know. It's, this is what I'm saying is like, this fucking nepotism and this like let's give bad people more jobs and or just give people not even but like give people jobs who don't deserve it or aren't yeah. working for it or you know that but so, definitely anyways. not someone who's extorting women and making them suck dick for roles you know what I mean well, like let's skip over that guy well, I, I'm not sure he was exhibiting that behavior that early on, but <laughs> so that eventually he becomes Mark Wahlberg's assistant. And I think we all know the story. Allegedly, he was the origin story or the the role turtle from Entourage was loosely based on him. But this article, did you read this part? Is it the part with this trademark five o'clock shadow? No. That, oh, okay. What part? The part that they really contradict the fact that Turtle was based on him. Oh. That Turtle was based on uh, Randall Emmett. It was allegedly based on another one of Mark Wahlberg's assistants. I mean, but there was a there was that. a there was a part of the story that said with his relationship with Mark Wahlberg, where he would ask him to like body slam him. Oh no. So yes. So I actually just got to that part at age. So I'm going to read it at age 24. He Emmett got a job as Mark Wahlberg's assistant, a gig that became central to Emmett's origin story and the foundation of his career in the actor producer. He had in the actor producer, he had, a role model and a foil. I don't know what that means. In 2012, Wahlberg told the times that Emmett once challenged him to a wrestling match. And this is a quote from Wahlberg. I had to body slam him. And then he wanted it again. Like, okay. I Ew. feel like I'm sorry. I'm Weird say fetishy. Yeah. I was going to say that's so golden shower vibes. Like, yeah. Like, he weird, gets peed weird, on. weird fetishes. Yeah. So, Anyways, he develops this relationship, I'm assuming, networks with Mark Wahlberg, then eventually mm-hmm. starts networking out, gets investments for, like, his first movie, and it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And his big... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Just, like, I have one interjection regarding Mark Wahlberg. Uh-huh. I feel like we've all, as a society, just glossed over the fact that he, like, racially profiled... um a black kid and beat him up like in the 90s no it wasn't it was a filipino it was a man of asian descent okay okay yeah yeah very bad brutally brutally Brutally. i think he i would have i i don't quote me on this but i think there was some level of disfigurement or some type of yes yeah so let's just go on with this that was really bad at the foundation of this man's career is trash and then he continued to build trash we will say though although that behavior is despicable people should be afforded an opportunity at a second chance in life and should be able to he was i think 17 or 16 not that that's an excuse but i'm just saying that we stand with the victim we stand with the victim so anyways the guy starts randall starts making money bringing in money he starts making movies in 2000 
13. Did you know that he was a producer on Lone Survivor, that really big Mark Wahlberg Navy SEAL movie? No, I didn't. I had no idea. And so, well, and the other thing is like, he's getting his money from Dubai, like a lot of investment from Dubai. Yeah. And his movie career and the reason why his, I think, motive with producing it's not to make quality product his his purpose for producing is to get big name actors like Arnold Schwarzenegger Robert De Niro like in this article they call him like the white men like your classic typical white men Mm -hmm. action figures Mm -hmm. and then promote and sell these movies into like the Middle East Russia Eastern Europe where there's a market for it yeah it's like he's trying to make a quick buck it's like it's scammy vibes but like in a movie yeah well and then it makes sense though because have you ever seen one of his movies Uh, no oh my gosh the production value is so low and it it makes sense in reading this article because they spend say they have a hundred million dollars for the budget they're spending 90 million dollars on actors actors and then the other 10 millions to produce yeah exactly what i'm saying like this is this is bad. This is a bad man. Yeah. So, oh, anyways, that is how he gets this kind of early breakthrough within Hollywood. And he becomes somewhat of a name, I guess, mm-hmm. because people can trust him to get work done. But he seems jump- like a clinger on. He just gives me rat vibes. Like, yeah. I think that quote from that guy, I was like, you kick him out the door, he's going to come through the window, you kick him out the window, he's going to come through the chimney. Like, that is exactly who he is. And it's, he's Lisa Renna's kitchen rat. Yeah, and it's evident with <laughs> the person that we've come to know. And so I want to jump into the next header. It's, well, I think it's really the, was it the first? No, it's the second header. It's called, I'm not a creep, I promise. <sighs> okay, if you have to say you're not a creep, you're fucking creep. You're a creep. So, and the re- this this quote comes from when he pulled up, I think, outside of a club, and there was a girl there in his Rolls Royce and rolls down the window and says, "I'm not a creep. I'm a prop, or I'm not a creep. I promise. Google me. I'm a producer in Hollywood. Google me." We'll be back after a quick break. Finding Ruby is the incredible true story of a 16 year old tricked by a seemingly innocent Facebook message. A message that would lead her from the protection of the mountains to the nightmare of an online trafficking den. Her first message to me was like, Hi, are you looking for a job? Ruby is hidden from the world, from everyone except her abusers. But she isn't alone. There is a team of people looking for her, and they will stop at nothing to find her. This isn't just the fight of her life, it's their fight too. Search for Finding Ruby today. I mean, okay, but this is the part where he, um, where he's exposed on Instagram yeah. by the Nashville girlies. Correct. And, um, you know, I just, I feel like he's physically abusive. Well, so, and the reason why you're saying that is, so there's a part of the article that is kind of a bombshell with this whole Lala Randall situation. Mm -hmm. We learn in this article and through this article that 
when he comes back from Nashville, he's confronted by Lala. She asks for his phone. He says no. She grabs it from him. And allegedly, according to Lala, he then tackled Lala from behind and grabbed the phone out of her hand. This was, in a way, somewhat contradicted by, I guess, their housekeeper who said- Their longtime nanny. Their longtime nanny who says- there no there was no physical nothing physical happened except randall went and grabbed the phone from lala this is the quote from lala's declaration that she filed with the court because these two authors did their due diligence Mm -hmm. um and it says quote this is from lala he ran after me tackled me and knocked me to the ground i used every ounce of strength to get him off of me as he was trying to pry it from my hands That was when I knew for sure that there was a lot he was hiding. So she's saying, you know, he's again, body slamming her. And I think that's kind of a callback, um, you know, to the whole Mark Wahlberg, like slam me again thing, you know? Yeah. And I guess Randall obviously adamantly denies this. um, But then they kind of go into this chronology of, events of randall just like sliding into girls dms Mm -hmm. being somewhat predatorial and just sexually aggressive and assertive with women Mm -hmm. and i thought the one the most shocking of course we know him to be disgusting yeah the one though where he just randomly messaged this woman Mm -hmm. on instagram Mm -hmm. who was clearly in a relationship with a man her partner her husband whoever and he says that he wants to um, have sex with her or like mm-hmm. hang out with her. Right. And I think he was using the vanish mode or something. Yeah. And he said he wanted to fuck on the DL, do heroin and meth, among other things. My mouth dropped to hear somebody use heroin and meth. meth? I mean, I mean, like, I kind of was like, what a fucking idiot okay you guys just because it's the vanish (laughs) mode it can still be screenshotted it can still be screenshotted it can still be subpoenaed later like this is not signal it's the facebook app like don't talk about doing heroin on instagram and also don't do heroin and meth. yeah and don't don't aggressively solicit sex from women on Instagram. So I want to know like who, what kind of person, like what drives you to like, be like scrolling through Instagram, you see someone and then you go, let's fuck and do math. Somebody who's completely unstable. And yeah. so speaking of unstable, this is the part that was extremely concerning to me. So this woman on Instagram has no idea who Randall Emmett is. They have no connection whatsoever. They would have no way of having each other's contact information. It's only simply through Instagram. Yeah. So, and by the way, the LA times confirms this information based on receipts and screenshots of images with a declaration that was provided. A legal declaration, not just just her being like, I declare. No. Yeah. This is with a court. So, so this woman never responded to uh, Randall. So despite being unanswered, Randall DMs continued for two weeks. The woman said, then she received a string of similar WhatsApp messages from an unknown number. She then reached out to a friend who knew a Vanderpump Rules cast member and confirmed that the unknown number matched Randall's. She said she blocked his number. 
In quote, she says, I was shocked, concerned, and afraid because Randall is a stranger to me. The woman woman wrote of Randall's behavior in the court documents. His persistence, despite my never responding to a single message from him, is frightening. What the hell? I don't understand. I, I have so many questions. Like, I don't understand how you go from Instagram to WhatsApp. Without just, ever meeting someone like yeah. you're a creep, dude. If this is, if this is true and he found a rando, found a way to get her phone number and continue to harass her. This is way more upsetting than just asking if someone wants to do drugs in vanish mode. Yeah. And so I'm assuming sh- this woman has to be of some type of caliber, or like has to have a, some type of presence on Instagram for mm-hmm. them. Because they probably Randall knew somebody who, a manager or an assistant that worked with this woman or. Right. And this girl knows people from Vanderpump Rules. And she just so happened to show those people who this was. Well, a Las Vegas, she lived in Las Vegas. I'm assuming she reached out to Shina. Oh, she, she. Yeah. Remember she did that. She did that whole residency. So. Wow. Yeah. And so then we switch over in the LA Times article to the next header, which is offers of payment. This is chilling. So this goes into the allegations of basically Randall providing payment to women to silence them Mm -hmm. for his transgressions. By paying them to enter non-disclosure agreements, which by the way, invalidates the non-disclosure agreement. Yes. And so oh. from the LA Times article, it states Emmett paid women to sign non-disclosure agreements or NDAs requiring them to keep mum about his intimate relationships. He tried to even get Kent to sign one early in the relationship his ex-fiance told the Times. Mm-hmm. So I guess when she was coming back to Vanderpump Rules, I think this was after there were the initial rumors about her having sex with a married man, the Range mm-hmm. Rover. It's when she came back and Randall wasn't a part of the season. He tried getting Lala to sign a $14,000 or f- sign a non-disclosure agreement in exchange for $14,000 for her not to talk about their relationship on camera. Can I say though, if I, sure. if I put a wiener in my mouth and got a Range Rover, there's no way I would accept 14 grand for a signature. Like I, there's no way. Sorry, if my wee-wee sucking is good enough for a car, my silence is better than 14 grand. So I want more information about this because Lala was open about the fact that she went and talked to the attorney Mm -hmm. to meet with one of his attorneys and who, I guess the same attorney had represented Stormy Daniels against the battle with Donald Trump. And Mm -hmm. so Lala then brought her mother Lisa Burningham to mm-hmm. the attorney's, uh, which I can understand because she's, yeah, you know, a waitress at this point. Yeah. You know, and Lala did the baller move that probably most of us would have done. And she said, I'm done. This is it. And sh- they left the office. Mm-hmm. And, Never give up your leverage ladies. And the mom said it. I actually think the mom's the one that mm-hmm. said we're done. It wasn't yeah. Lala and said, we're out of here. This is it. Mm-hmm. And so then they eventually, obviously, we know they eventually got back together and she had a child with Mr. Emmett. Mm-hmm. And then we obviously got the whole situation with um, the Nashville girls. Mm-hmm. But I think there were, there was other evidence, right? 
there was another, there was another, oh, that's right. Wait, there was a girl in Florida. So this is really interesting. So, so after the alleged infidelity breaks, right. In October, 2021, about the girl in Nashville, the LA Times article said that Kent said she was suddenly bombarded with messages from other several individuals that claimed a Florida model had been having an affair with Emmett. So Kent checked out the Florida model's social accounts. When the woman noticed that Kent had viewed her Instagram story, she called Emmett on November 28th and recorded the conversation without his knowledge. The Times reviewed the recording in which the woman fretted that Kent obviously had a lot of details if she knows my Instagram account. In quotes, Emmett, uh-huh. I keep calling him Emmett now because that's how they're referring to him in the article. Randall yeah. said, there's no evidence of us ever having hooked up, end quotes. I want you to say, if she ever tries to get to you, you say, hey, I dated. And then in brackets, it they blocked out the assistant's name, but it says his assistant, end quotes. Yeah. And then obviously this girl being, knowing that they're kind of public figures, tries to sell the story, right? Which... I mean, honestly, I don't blame you. Like if you're going to come into my DMs and you're going to be like, help me destroy my family. I'm going to be like, sure. For 25,000. Yeah. And so, but then I guess he randomly just Venmoed her three grand. Yeah. And I, 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 this is, I, this is behavior of somebody who's obviously (sighs) unhinged. A manipulative. But it's just Harvey, it's Harvey Weinstein behavior 101 of, I have money. I can just write a $10,000 check. The person will be fine and happy with it and they'll go away. But I think it's, it's important to realize that like, if, if somebody is sending $3,000 checks or $10,000 checks or whatever, like if you're not the average American and you're actually a rich person or even upper middle class, like 10 grand is really not that big of a deal. Three grand is like maybe rent, you know, like, yeah, or your mortgage and all your utilities. So, uh, you know, uh, in theory for Rand, who's making movies with Bruce Willis, then mowing some random girl from Florida, three grand shouldn't really make an impact to him financially, which is why I'm like, you clearly are preying on people who are weaker than you of a lower financially yeah Yeah. absolutely and it's inculpatory to me you're looking at like how do you defend that how do you you so you're just telling me you you randomly venmo girls twenty seven hundred dollars twenty five hundred dollars three thousand and with that money around the same time coincidentally there's also a non-disclosure agreement exactly exactly and also venmo come on you zell or something venmo public (laughs) you piece of trash I think he Ben Motor. I swear it said he Ben Motor. Maybe he just said sent. Maybe I'm using it says sent, but we're gonna say Venmo just Venmo, because okay. we hate him. Okay, so now moving on to what I found to be the most damning part of this entire story. It is the header called the Tasmanian Devil. Mm-hmm. And it really goes into Randall's the way Randall ran his business and how he treated his employees. Yeah. Basically he treated his employees like slaves. And I found his Venmo. (laughs) Should we Venmo him five bucks? 
I'm say for attorney's fees. No, don't, 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 don't. It, Cause it's your name. It's allegedly Bravo's name. I don't want to get wrapped up in that. No, thanks. <laughs> Give us $5. <laughs> what? Give us $5. <laughs> no, you should Venmo him $5 for his future attorney's fees. Yeah. Attorney fee donation. No, wow. we don't want to. That's not the criminal fund we want to. No, it's of. not. But it's actually fun to go through all of these names. There's <gasps> a lot of hot girls on here. Claire, Shut Courtney, up. Dana. Yeah. What are Danette. dates? 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 It, there's like, no dates. Oh. Yeah. Eric Weinstein. Say- <gasps> I wonder if there's any relation. Wow. This is so fun. I love Venmo. I it is- love Venmo. It is. How has he not learned to put it on private? Because he's an idiot. Yeah, I know. Well, okay. So going back to Randall we and the way, yeah. yeah, Randall and just the way that he was running and operating his business mm-hmm. and the way really he was treating his employees. So th- I invite everyone really to go back and read this portion of the article because it is very detailed, but I want to talk about something that was the most concerning to me is when he sent his, um, he sent his assistant or an intern, mm-hmm. Martin G. Blay, I think is how you pronounce his name. Martin G. Blay. He was an employee of EFO mm-hmm. and Emmett. Oh my God. I hate that. I keep calling him Emmett. I know. I hate that they Randall, did this to us. So Randall, I guess Randall was in Puerto Rico Randall texted Martin and said, Hey, I need, I want my poker table and my poker chips to be sent out to Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. So Martin being the great employee that he is. Yeah. Oh, it says he was an intern. It says he was an intern called FedEx freight and put $1,250 of a, on for the charge onto his personal card. His this was, intern? Yes. It was confirmed that he was reimbursed. Okay. Well, still. So it says the former assistant said he then hopped on a flight to Puerto Rico to set up the table. Shortly after his arrival, Randall sent him and another assistant to his $1,300 a night suite at the Dorado Beach Ritz-Garlton to retrieve an item from the room safe. When the combination didn't work, Martin said he summoned the hotel staff. In quotes, a security team comes in and they open the safe and then they all just turn away. <gasps> Martin said, I look in and see a big bag of cocaine. Martin was petrified by the prospect of being caught with drugs. In yeah. quotes, he said, I was in shock and in disbelief, noting that as a black man, he felt he was being put in an unacceptable, risky situation. Yes. He had a 30 minute car ride. No where he was constantly paranoid about getting pulled over by cops. So when at first I read, okay, he wants him to, I was thinking like Randall's downstairs in the hotel lobby, grab my extra chips, go upstairs, grab from the safe, come down. The fact that he was making his interns transport large quantities of drugs. A black man. Any, yes. Any any, man. Any any person, any person is making them any, and Martin said that night, he said that the drugs looked bricked up like they were off of a cocaine kilo. Wow. I've never seen a cocaine kilo. I've never, I've only been offered to do cocaine one time and it wasn't the vibe and no one else has ever offered me to do cocaine. And I cannot believe 
that people just have it. It freaks me out. And it really, yeah, I I think we've told that story before when I was at a party and I was with a bunch of people. I won't say their careers because probably not for the best. Uh-huh. Um, and they asked me if I wanted to hit the slopes and I was like, you guys planning a trip to snowboard? Yeah. I'd love to go. I was like, I would love to go. I've been looking to get outside recently. And I was in law school and I walk into the kitchen and there was just a bunch of cocaine on the counter. And I remember I walked outside. I was dating this guy at the time. And I said, I'm out. I was like, I can't be, I was like, I've never been around drugs. Like, you know, you can do whatever you want, but I don't hang out with people. I don't hang out with people like this, especially people that are working professionals that should not be doing drugs. Yeah. It's. I have a hard time with, and that's the only time I've ever been or offered cocaine and I will never do it in my entire life. Yeah. I'm not saying never, I would love to try it once, but I've never been offered. It just, I don't, the presence of it really scared me. I was really one of those dare girls, you know, in middle school, (laughs) I was, I mean, I won the dare essay. Stop. We are so, we're so different. I'm like, does anyone want to offer me cocaine? (laughs) anyone no, you're like I, dare no <laughs> I won I won the dare essay for anti-smoking like to not smoke cigarettes have you ever smoked a cigarette yeah I mean yeah. and I use the term use smoke lightly I don't think I inhaled anything and one time I was trying to be really cool and they're like you didn't even inhale I was like I did <laughs> but know? I did but I did <laughs> Yeah, I, oh no, I definitely, I definitely won that dare essay. Um, I think it just scared me. I mean, of course I've smoked marijuana. I've been open about that, but I mean, yeah. I don't do it now or haven't in probably almost a year and a half now, but I, and it's legal. So uh, yeah, it's just, it's the hard drugs are scary. Anyways. What? Wow. What a Mushrooms was fun though. I recommend Yes. And I've read actually listened to a lot of podcasts on the benefits of psychedelics and also yeah. in treating trauma and PTSD. Mm-hmm. I really do think that after I did mushrooms, I literally, and I can't explain it. I physically felt love in a way that I'd never understood it before. And, um, it really changed my life. Everyone, a lot of people say that. So anyway, he was doing crack cocaine. Yes. So he was doing drugs and that, that part was, that part was difficult, um, difficult for me. Uh And so then we need to talk about the ice cream cookie sandwich. So that's what I want to get to you. Okay. You get to that because there's this article. I'm, I'm I'm sorry, you guys, I'm trying to parse through this as I, as we're talking. I mean, I read it, but I'm just trying to find the actual quotes that are relevant. Um, okay. So talk about the ice cream cookie. Cause I, I have this other part I want to talk about. Okay. So the same assistant who had to be the drug mule, unconsensual drug mule says that he was 26 years old. Excuse me. He was 26 years old. He was just trying to, you know, get a few movie creds. However, he said that in 2018, in when Emmett's 20. When Randall's 2018 Rolls Royce got stolen, <laughs> yeah. even though Emmett had instructed 
Martin. Martin to park the car on Mulholland Drive rather than in his driveway, according to text messages. So Emmett told Martin, go park my car on Mulholland. Don't park it in the driveway. Anyone who's ever been on Mulholland Drive. It's massive and so busy. It's so windy. It's so busy. Like it's it's not where you'd park your car to not get stolen, basically. Um, so then he said he got blamed when um his fish died. Uh just all this crazy stuff. Just crazy. All this crazy stuff. And and this is a quote from Rand to Martin. Quote, don't care. I told you to get the doctor, and now my fish is dead. Now, I have a story about killing fish. Once I was babysitting a fish tank when I was growing up, and it was like a big saltwater fish tank, and it had eels and a puffer fish, like all kinds of shit. And the fish got sick, and I was like, I, we need to call the doctor. Like, the fish doesn't look good. Like, the eels look bad. And I was a kid at the time. So I, my mom came over to our neighbor's house and she's like, no, I think that's just how eels look. And I was like, I don't know. And then we came back the next day. Eels were totally belly up, floating on top of the fish tank. Gross. My, my mother plucked it out, put it in a Ziploc baggie and put it in the freezer so that the woman could come home and properly bury it. We'll be back after a quick break. Were you team Backstreet Boys or NSYNC? Britney or Christina? Simple Life or Newlyweds? With When They Popped, you don't have to pick a side because we're going to mention it all. When They Popped retells the stories of the late 90s and early 2000s biggest celebrities, trends, and phenomena like boy band mania, celebrity-based reality TV, and the rise of famous for being famous socialites. We'll unpack their rise to fame and uncover some facts you may have not known along the way. So throw up your away message and throw it back with us with When They Popped. Available wherever you stream your podcasts. so gross fish tanks and bird cages are weird those bird two types of pets weird. yeah it, it's really concerning to me that's like that's seriously like locking your dog in a cage for its entire life yeah it, i mean Ew. birds are meant to fly and fish are meant to I'm swim like a bird. oh my god sorry okay and then do you want to and then he got chewed out right oh i'm the, sorry sorry yes yes so then martin got chewed out for buying Rand, his favorite treat, which I think we can all agree on, oh my is God. the Toll House, Toll House ice cream cookie sandwich. Which makes sense with the double chin. Makes sense with the double chin. And apparently, so Martin bought in bulk from Costco because, like, he's a financially responsible king. However, Randall lost his fucking shit because he didn't because Martin didn't buy the ice cream sandwich from the convenience store next door and so it wasn't fresh that's psycho behavior that's psychotic men I'm talking to you stop getting so weirdly mad over food I mean it's too too much this week that we're hearing about people being mad over food and like you need to stop (laughs) So this, the next story is what I found to be crazy. Okay. The second, second in line to the the cocaine. So Randall reaches out to Martin and says, Hey, I want to plan a gorgeous romantic stay at the Beverly Hills hotel for me and uh, for me and Lala. 
And so he asked Martin to decorate the hotel suite. So here's Martin just being the king that he is, runs and rushes over to a Melrose Avenue florist and spends $350 for two bags of rose petals. And then we're, let's assume he's putting that on his debit card. <laughs> yeah. So then he goes over to the guest services, um, a guest services manager let Martin into the room. A second assistant observed Martin engage in this behavior or engage in this whole decoration, right? And he sprinkled mm-hmm. the rose petals in the room and he wrote out Lala on the bed. Mm-hmm. So then he goes down to the concierge like a normal person would. If you uh-huh. are going to see your boss, you drop the key off at the concierge. Mm-hmm. And he goes home. But right. when Randall arrived at the hotel restaurant for a candlelit dinner with Lala, he texts Martin demanding the room key. Martin replied that it was with the front desk. In quotes, it says, I can't go to the front desk, end quotes. Martin headed back to the hotel, where then staff members told him that Randall needed to physically provide his credit card after he relayed this information to Randall. The pr- Randall responded, in quotes, stop, dude, my credit card is, or my card is max, end quotes. And then it says again, handle it, in quotes. 40 minutes later. Fofty minutes. Sorry. What? Fofty. <laughs> Yeah. 40 minutes later, Randall asked, um, Randall asked Martin, where is the key? Mm-hmm. Fearing that he might lose his job, he tried to charge the 12, more than $1,200 a night onto his debit card. His bank obviously rejects the transaction because who has $1,200 when you're an assistant working when in When you're LA? trying to start your career by yeah. being a fucking intern. So Martin calls his mom and begs her for money. His mother said she was so rattled by the car because, sorry, rattled by the call because it was nearly midnight in Rhode Island, but she quickly transfers the money into her son's account because she feared he was in some kind of danger. The LA Times was able to review a copy of the debit charge rejection and the hotel invoice to confirm this. I mean, these women came with receipts. So, and then... Randall said, uh, well, a source close to Randall said that Martin knew he always had the option to contact George Furla, who was a co-name partner, yes, of the firm to cover expenses, including Randall's personal ones. Apparently, Martin did not use this option. Okay, so let's fucking victim blame this poor man who had to wake his mom up on the other side of the country in the middle of the night because he thought he was going to get fired. But I would also, I want to know why is the company paying for his personal expenses it shouldn't pay for his personal expenses yeah and also if you're gonna expect your assistants and interns and all of that to be running errands for you with that that costs money it is so insanely rude to expect them to front that money it's you need to give them a credit card or you need to do it your fucking self yeah, and I don't even think you're able to book a hotel on a debit card. I right? think if you, I think, well, I only have a debit card and I've booked hotels. Oh, I thought you had to have a credit card. Um. So anyways, Martin, our, our favorite, favorite man, who I yeah. hope they set up a GoFundMe because there was also mention of his parents, the roof of his family home being ripped off during the hurricane and how he had reached out to the company to reimburse him for the trip or reimburse him for the expenses. So I just hope that Martin is made whole and he has found a better job and he gets a greater opportunity in Hollywood than what Mm -hmm. he experienced with Mr. Randall. Yeah. So the rest of the article is really about the finances. Uh 
it talks about investors and the clashes over money and and it goes into also the detail about how expensive these actors are that they hire yeah did you guys know that bruce willis's fee is two million dollars a day so you mean to tell me that the man who doesn't know what's up and what's down is getting paid and God well, not anymore. He's, re- he's retired. I know yeah, you're, being very, be. you're I, being very mean to Bruce Willis. I'm not trying to be mean to Bruce Willis. I'm trying to be mean to Randall, but it might be coming off that way because I'm sick. Yeah, no, it is. It's coming off like you're yelling at Bruce. <laughs> you, sorry, you, Bruce. At one point in, in one point of the podcast, you said, Demi, where are you? Where are you? Though? <laughs> I need a sit down. <laughs> Get Oprah. So really they talk about how he was investing or how he had investors he had meadow williams who was an actress she inherited some ridiculous amount of money from her ex-husband who passed away 800 million and she was one of his like number one investors and what she would do is say hey here's money but give me a role and give my boyfriend a role and at one point he was working on a film with al pacino and this meadow williams chick and al pacino was like what's going on this Mm -hmm. movie sucks like get it together yeah and so then we get into really the clash over the money of him re- owing people a lot, a lot of money. So a for lot. example, on March 9, March 9, 2019, Emmett and Furlow received an email from a key financier with the subject line debts. In the email, the British executive wrote that the EFO, that EFO owed a total of 8250000 plus interest. This is a serious amount of capital. I get calls every day from my investors on most of them, uh, on most of these loans. What's the plan? In quotes. And a person close to the matter said much of the loans had been repaid. So, and then there was another email where there were allegations from October, 2019, where an email warned that Randall risk sending warned, sorry, that uh, he owed 30 million in principal alone. What the fuck? And so it says that, Randall met with the financiers and a person close to Randall said the firm currently owes about 17 million in a principal loan. Yeah. I'm so glad that Lala didn't marry him. Yeah. So, and at one point he was, I think writing and producing this series called pump that was about Arnold Schwarzenegger and his time on Venice beach. And there was a description or there was this, the summary in this article about how he sat down with the writers and the writers, I guess, were under the impression that he had already secured Arnold Schwarzenegger to be a producer on the, on the series. Mm-hmm. And after, I guess, Emmett or after Randall heard the pilot episode or whatever, you know, the script, mm-hmm. he got really excited and said, Oh, I'm hoping we can, you know, we're able to get Arnold on this. Now we can get Arnold on, on board. And they were all shocked. And so it's another example of him just leading this life of just perpetual lies and just, it's very Tom Girardi, like mm-hmm. robbing pay, Peter, robbing to, pay Peter Paul. to pay Paul. Yeah. Yeah. For real. And so, and it's like, you know, and he, I, yeah, he's not, he doesn't treat people below him or in positions of a lower caliber than him kindly. And so I think, and he also takes people takes advantage of people and he's taking advantage of all these writers who are under the presumption that they were writing an awesome script for Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, and meanwhile, all of these people who are working for him and getting fucked are the people who are like, uh, okay, well, I guess I'll put the cereal back because I got to buy the red meat and groceries are expensive. Yeah. You know, where meanwhile, and we're in the middle of a pandemic. Right. Paid. 
haven't been paid. And meanwhile, Rand's over here gallivanting around, sliding into people's DMs, robbing Peter to pay Paul, forcing these poor people to put money on their credit card. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. It is. And so, and another part that I found fascinating was the fact that he has $336,000 in unpaid rent for his Wilshire Boulevard rental property that he uses his commercial space. How does that, how does that work? I'm, I don't understand. I would assume because of COVID there was the rent moratorium. Yeah. And I understand for the people who genuinely could not afford to pay rent. Yeah. But on a second home, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. So that is really where we're at with Mr. Mr. Emmett. And I would be intrigued to see if we are going to get some type of a rebuttal. Are we going to get him? Because did you ever watch the interview he did with Gigi from Gulmesa from Shaza Sunset? No. It was two toxic human beings just lying to each other's faces and like spewing bullshit out of their mouths to make each other feel better. Wow. So political. And so I'm fascinated to see, maybe he'll go back on Gigi's podcast to like set the record straight. Are we going to get some type of 60 minute interview or a, you know, a today show interview where he contradicts these claims because it sounds like his, his spokesperson tried to do that in this article, but there's just so much proof. Well, you know, instead of farming this responsibility out, I would like to invite Randall Emmett onto our podcast. I mean, I would love to get to the bottom of this. I would love to ask him questions. And who better than two legal girlies, right? Who just want to know. Yeah. And who just want to know and also want to know, like, how did he get back into this rental space the commercial space that he abandoned and hasn't paid rent for how is he back in that commercial space and how is it that he is just wrapping up production on a movie called cash out with uh john travolta how 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 are people still believing him like is this his demise is this article his demise oh yeah or are we already seeing it has he already lived through it this past year there was a part of this article that made me actually sick to my stomach and it was like describing how Randall had like his own like five o'clock shadow like known for his five o'clock shadow I was like ew (laughs) that's not five o'clock shadow that's like trying to define a neck beard and failing yeah and I want to actually pull up a photo of what he looked like when he was younger this is the quote it describes him as this is so nice of the authors by the way with his trademark five o'clock shadow, black t-shirt, cargo shorts, and white shell toe Adidas sneakers, Emmett has worked overtime to hone his image as a Hollywood tough guy, a wheeler dealer, a high stakes poker player who beats the house. Listen, Linda, I'm so sick and tired of these mediocre men thinking that they're cool because they play poker. <laughs> and it goes back to our Dan Bilzerian episode. Like, yes. does he really play poker? And you like, know? I don't care. Cool. You play poker. I have, I have a deck of cards. <laughs> it makes me feel like uh, Danny De Niro or whatever his name is when he's like, I have nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
That is one of the greatest quotes of all time. I know. I know. It really is. Really bringing it full circle with a Robert De Niro, you know, and him yeah. being in some of Randall Emmett's movies. And all the all roads lead to Bravo. Yes. And speaking of that, now after reading this article, does it make sense why Randall and Jack set it off? It makes so much sense. And also, as I was reading this article, I had a trigger memory of remember when, um, okay, I'm trying to think back. It was, who was going to propose, but it was a wedding weekend. And so they didn't want to, was it, it White was Kanye? Brock. Oh no, it was Brock and Shishu. Okay. So oh, yeah. remember when Brock and Lala and Rand all sat down and Brock was like, and I want to make it like a movie premiere and we're going to have uh-huh. the background and all this stuff. And then Rand was like, his eyes were like, well, I'm not paying for this, you know? And Lala was like, well, why would you expect us to pay for this? And I wanted to be like, now I want to be like, he couldn't even pay for it. That's the thing. Like at the end of the day, Brock and Shishu are of a higher caliber than well, and it makes sense, though, why Randall then finally buckled and appeared on Vanderpump because he, he was, it was a money. stream. It was a stream of income and he was mm-hmm. trying to make himself relevant again. Yeah. And I just I don't know how you bounce back from this. Listen, I think you need to Rand, you need to sit down. You need to give a one on one or a one on two and just you need to spread them cheeks and bear it off. Yeah. And you know what this has taught me or what I've taken away from this is I want Lala Kent to now become just a mogul, uh-huh. a full-blown mogul with her makeup and her baby brand. Like I hope she just completely surpasses this man mm-hmm. and just becomes this amazing, for lack of a better word, boss bitch. Boss bitch. Like, yeah, give them Lala. Give them Lala. I'm proud of Lala, but I'm kind of bummed about it. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. I was going to say, well, that's that's our episode. That is our episode. Do you have a criminal behavior? I'm sure I do. Okay. So, oh, yes. I fucking do have a criminal behavior. Because I will have all of you know that my car was stolen out of my front yard. What? A month and a half ago, almost two months yeah, ago. Yeah, it had to. Yeah. So finally today, I get a phone call. It's been almost two fucking months, right? I'm COVID positive, stuck in the house. I get a phone call. The guy's all, hey, your car's ready. Yes, I'm so fucking excited. Thank you. How do we get it? Drop it off. X, Y, Z. He goes, can you come get it today? I said, no, I can't. I can maybe get it Saturday. I got to figure it out because I'm COVID positive and it feels rude to walk into your establishment. Yeah. This man goes, well, you know, honestly, we really do want to try to get this out of here. I was like, okay, well, it's been almost two months. So I think it can wait a couple days. He's willing to risk his coworkers and his own health to have me come pick it up because he doesn't want my car there anymore. And it's like, listen, nobody wants this car back more than me. I prom besides maybe George Glass. So my criminal behavior is the supply chain. <laughs> right. <laughs> what's my, yours my criminal 
behavior is, you know, in these days leading up to not working, you know, today was my last day at work. I've really spent a lot of time on the gram. And what I've realized is something that I find to be very annoying and criminal is when you have friends, mutual friends on Instagram who choose to almost act like a micro influencer with the way they post. What do you mean? Oh my God. Tell me post on their Instagram stories where it's just like daily life updates all of the time. And I just, I'm fascinated by it, I guess, because why, why do you feel the need to tell, you know, 1200 or how many followers you have? You're only doing it for attention. Yeah. It's weird. And you know who I'm talking about? I'll tell you offline. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Where they take, always take a political stance, like anything, like there's always, it's like McDonald's drive-through breakfast on the way to work that you're sneaking, paying in cash does not need to be a political statement. Yeah. It needs to be a secret. And then like working out and then just everything. And also the exploitation of other people's stories. Well, you know, like. I get where you're going with this. Yeah. They're like exploitation and just like telling other people's stories through your Instagram. Stop. As we're, people... si- as we're sitting here telling Randall Evans. No, no, story. no. That's different. He's a, <laughs> no, no, no. He's a public. He's that's a public. So true. Yes. Yes. He's yes. a public person. Agreed. I'm talking about on a public None of Instagram. this applies to us. Even when you're, you're like posting photos of somebody's baby shower or I don't know. I don't know. I don't I even know if that makes sense. Like, no, it and makes I sense. guess I'm, I'm talking about it from a perspective of somebody who doesn't really have a lot of, I don't really use my, my personal Instagram account a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I also think it's really odd when people post stories about people who aren't on Instagram. Yeah. You know, like you're not tagging them. It's not like it's a mutual thing where you're sharing the story back and forth or it feels like you don't like the exploitation and I agree. And, and it's, there's a line. Like I remember I was following um, a person who posted a picture of their themselves holding the hand of their grandmother who just passed away. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, Okay, what the fuck? Like, as someone who's, and listen, I'm grieving right now. I just lost my grandmother. Yes. If I posted her dead hand on Instagram, she would haunt the fuck out of me. Yeah. And that brings me to my, like, another thing that bothers me. Yeah. Stop posting photos of your children as toddlers without clothing on i can't i don't i get how how cute is bath time it's so it's so adorable get it off the internet but i had a i know somebody they were down in san diego on a trip and the kids were on the beach i think their daughter's like four or five and she's running around i mean as you do when you're a kid like you take your top off or you take your pants off and you i mean coming from the child who used to mow the lawn naked yeah. You know, when I was a toddler in my Ugg boots. Yeah. But a toddler to, mowing the lot. But to post that and to see the, the chest area exposed, it is so alarming to me that parents are okay doing that. The thing about it is like it's weird. 
And it's, it's the fact that like, I get it. I get that you as a parent, your kid is the fucking cutest thing you've ever seen. And we agree. It's very cute. And the problem is it's not just us that agree. It's every pervert on the internet. And that's the problem. It's not that we're like, don't post your baby, you mom. It's like, no, protect your children because the internet is disgusting. Look at Josh Duggar. Yeah, it's like take the photo and keep that photo for yourself. Frame Put it, it in or your take baby book. Baby book. But if you want to post a photo, you post a photo of your kid with a t-shirt on or pants. There are, there like, are so many. And pants. I agree. I agree. I, it, 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 and I don't, I never want to be that person that just messages someone and says, hey, like during my time as just like working at the DA's office, you know, there are so many children that are exploited on the internet where photographs are taken and then they're sold on the black market and your kid could be and, on and you have no websites fucking and idea. no idea. And, and, and you don't want to be that person that just is like constantly dark and telling the evil side of life, but it's like protect your children at all costs and do your best. Don't put them on Instagram when they're naked. Don't do it. Stop my, exploiting your family. Stop exploiting your grandpa who's dying in the hospital because it makes you look likable. And then, well, you, and you because know, you want the message to be like, I'm so sorry for your loss. It's like, listen, listen, listen. My first legal job was the sexual assault and child abuse section of the district attorney's office. Mm-hmm. The shit I saw, read, and heard is steel trap locked in my brain and I will never tell you guys anything about it. Yeah. And that should tell you everything you need to know about why your child should not be naked on Instagram. And even if you think, oh, I'm, I only have, you know, 500 followers of people that I went to high school with or college with. It doesn't matter. You don't know those people. You do not know what people do behind closed doors. You have no idea. I mean, look at, again, Josh Duggar. Somebody Josh who is Dunger. living a life of a, I'm a Christian, Christian man yeah. who is a family man, who is, loves his children, loves his family. Grew up on TV. Secret Boom. child porn addiction. Yeah. Perfect. Sandwich man. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Subway guy. It's like, so, and you guys like, yeah, it's wrong. But there are bad people out there. Every, yeah. And you have to, it's your job as a parent to protect your child. Yeah. And that yeah. means, unfortunately, not being ignorant to the fact that there are perverts on Instagram. Yes. And screenshots are real. Screenshots are real. Video recording, screen recording is real. I do that all the time. I can't tell you how many scre- are probably our entire oh. text thread is probably all screenshots of screen recording screen and TikTok. And also video manipulation, like AI, being able to put your child's face onto another figure and then it be manipulated. Like there's so I think, and maybe you and I are jaded because of our experience, but I just wanted to be like a PSA really rather than a criminal behavior of just like really protect your kids and send those photos. If you are just like dying to send those photos, send it in a text message to your mom and dad or send it into a text message to your mom and your sister. And honestly, like, I'm going to sound like a crazy person, but it's very clear that privacy is going out the window. Let's not trust Mark Zuckerberg with our personal family photos. Oh and my God. You need to get signal and that's how I know. you're sharing your pictures. You yeah. need to get signal. You need an encrypted messaging service. And that's so, the end of the story. So interesting. Have you ever 
So with the new Apple update on the phone, uh-huh. so if you go into your photos and then yeah. there's, you know, the share, uh, there's the share button, the like button, there's an eye with like the sparkles and then the trash can. If yes. you click on the eye, it says, like, I'm looking at a photo of Grizz, my dog, and uh-huh. it will say, look up dog. Like it is reading the photograph. It's creepy. And if it is writing like- the photograph. And so if you have photos of your child, or if you have naked photos that you take of yourself, you don't okay. like, look at, look at what it just did. It said, look up dogs. So we'll say, look up dog. And I click on dog and it's pulling up breeds of dogs that look like my dog. No, that from is the, your dog for real from, from the yeah. right here. No. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, it looks just like your dog. Well, it's like, if you go into your photos and you search Brazier, okay. Yeah. Brazier, every one of my before photos and none of my after, because none exist are all on here. Let me see. This one's funny though. Look at this bra that's made of fried eggs. <laughs> So if you type in breast, will it come up? I don't know. I've only tried brazier. Brazier. Okay. 14 photos. Yeah. 14 photos. And I bet they're all you in your bathing suit. This one makes me laugh. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) You know exactly what I'm thinking about. Okay. 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 We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. Okay. Bye, you guys. Bye, 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 bye.